How do you turn $50,000 into $100 million in assets under management? Like that is just mind blowing. Today, I'm super excited because we are breaking down how you can syndicate multifamily, how you can invest in luxury short-term rentals at massive scale, all with Valkyrie Investment Group. And so I'm interviewing today Ashton Leverick and Christopher Leverick, brothers who have done just this coming up next. Welcome to the Cashflow Happy Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Baldovino. And on this show, you can join us live as we interview investors and share how they are increasing their cash flow. So grab a drink and let's get into it. Ashton and Christopher, thanks for joining me. How are you guys doing today? Good, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Man, this was... So one, I first, for context for the audience, I found Ashton on TikTok and he's been dropping knowledge. And then all of a sudden, I just went on a rabbit hole a little bit of their investment <laughs> group, all the assets they're investing in, and they are exactly where I want to be in a couple years later. So one, first off, congratulations on all of you guys' success. Hey, thank you so thank much. You. It's been and fun. <laughs> for just quick contents for the audience, because I've obviously seen too much on TikTok, uh, give us a quick <laughs> background for each of you and tell us a little bit about Valkyrie. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Joshua. Um, awesome to be here, by the way. I definitely appreciate this honor to be here. I haven't done too much live stuff, so I'm going to put on my best live show, I guess. Um, yeah. So my name is Ashton Leverick. Um, I've been in the military since I was 18. Um, did the whole special operations thing, deploying, coming back for the last 21 years. I was getting ready to retire in 2018. Um, I had about a year and a half left and Chris and I kind of got together for different reasons and we can kind of get into that. And um, me, for me, it was more like I wanted to create more passive income so I didn't have to get a job after the military. So we started investing in real estate. Um, but yeah, and it's been a heck of a ride since then. And I'm sure we'll get into that story, but that's kind of it in a nutshell, military to investing in real estate, real estate, you know, to create passive income and then creating this business because of it. Nice. So, yeah. And then Chris, what about you? Yeah. And uh, we, we've done this story so many times I, I get, which, which angle are we going to say? But um, yeah. yeah, so I got out of high school, got, went to college, studied in Europe for about two years, joined the military four years as a firefighter, got out of that, moved back to Arizona, started an IT career for about 12 years. I, work, I worked in uh, corporate IT. And so very familiar with the W-2 story and uh, investing in 401ks and that kind of thing. 2018, we decided to do real estate just because 401ks are kind of a joke and went into investing in North Carolina, um, some duplexes. And that, like he said, we scaled up from there. It's been a lot of fun. It's all about partnerships. Every deal we did partnered. And so that's really fundamental to our success and um, where we call, you know, our growth has come from. So been really cool, really, really fun. We're about a team of 10 people now, uh, three based international about, yeah, the rest are based in the United States. So family, business, it's been, it's been cool. Okay. I mean, that's family base is amazing. And just so it's not clickbait. I know that I put in a hundred million title there. Just what, like, what does that look like? What, what is the portfolio mix? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think, you know, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how many how people grasp that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, it started with two duplexes. So we bought two duplexes, and um, then two more, and then a five, and then a thirteen, and then a, a sixteen. 84, 120, 384, um, 92, and then a bunch of Airbnbs. So, uh, and then we just, yeah, and we could get into this too. I mean, we were working on a 208 unit um, apartment complex as well. And um, we can't really talk too much about that because it's still in the works. But <laughs> yeah, so that that's it. Like, that's how it went. It, it went fast, but it was very decisive we knew where we wanted to go we we and we should go into all this if you're looking to build a business you got to be you got to know what you want um and, and that's kind of what it was at first for us at first it was just passive income but then it really became intentional like well how do we grow this and like christopher said we did it was the partnership piece it was the branding piece and it was focusing on what we're good at and either hiring or partnering for the rest um so, so the portfolio as under management is made up of all those properties, obviously. Hmm. Um, now, is that a hundred million coming to our pocket every day or every month or every year? No, not necessarily. Right. These are, these are rental properties. These are short-term rentals. Um, so we are managing through a lot through property management. And then the other pieces manage, like we actually manage our own Airbnbs and we've set up the system with VAs and stuff to do that um, on our own. So it's been a natural progression, honestly. Um, we didn't try to rush it. It was mm -hmm. just, uh, you wouldn't believe how much you're capable of when you stop trying to do everything yourself is probably the best way to say it. I like so. that a lot. And just for context, when did the real estate journey begin and whose bright idea was it? Yeah, it was two, uh, 2018. August 2018 was our first acquisition. Um, okay. started educating probably March, February, 2018, as far okay. as like listening to podcasts and books and all that stuff. Okay. And so since then there's, you started with the, with a couple of duplexes, long-term rentals, I'm assuming, uh, what came first? Was it the short-term rentals or moving into some small multifamily? So we small only got into the, family, yeah. yeah um, short-term rentals didn't happen till last winter, I think. Uh -huh. right? Yeah. Yeah. That was the first one was last one. Yeah. And multifamily really had this, uh, I mean, it still does. It has great economies of scale. It has uh, the idea that if one door is empty, the other door is being rented and someone's paying for your mortgage versus if you rent out a house, you know, one you person moves out, you're paying that mortgage for the month. Um, so it had these great fundamentals, which we liked. And we can go into why we shifted um, or added to our existing portfolio with short terms. Um, but yeah. Okay. No, I mean, yeah, let's, so how about let's go into, it sounds like the progression was a couple of long-term rental duplexes. Then when did the upgrade or kind of bigger vision start to come into play then? Yeah, that's an awesome question. So when we started doing this, let's back up a bit. We had, um, it must've been like the summer of 2019. We'd done three or four deals at that point. We had just finished a fiveplex. I think we might have been moving into a 13 unit and we'd partner with people on on different ones. Right. And we were able to retire both our wives mm -hmm. from their jobs. So my wife was a teacher. Christopher, your wife was in hospitality um, for a large uh, hotel chain um, and we were able to retire them and they work for the business. 
And Christopher's wife, who was managing a lot of the budgeting, she's like, look, why are we doing these smaller deals? We did this 13 unit. Why are we doing these smaller deals when the amount of work is the same, Mm -hmm. but the economy is a scale or better on these bigger ones, right? Um, And so we started looking into syndication. And Christopher and I are very competitive. We're brothers. Um, It literally happened like, yeah, that's a great idea. And then it just snowballed into this who could read the most books, watch the most podcasts and, and, and underwrite the most deals. And we were trying to do the same thing, uh, the same jobs in the business the whole time. But that's where, it sh- that's where that mind shift happened was hmm. learning the economies of scale, um, the decreased risk profile, the increased returns, right? The better cash flow. Um, and then the other piece to that, and that at, when we did our first official syndication, which was on a 16 unit, that's when we learned... Um, that we don't need to do everything. And with a syndication, you can niche down and focus on what you're good at, what you like, and bring in other partners or hire out for the other pieces. So gotcha. I, hope, I think that opens answers your question. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And maybe just to dive in just a little bit more. So you mentioned for, for our audience who's watching, there are some time-saving components. And for those who maybe haven't started to really dive into multifamily, why is it easier to go a bigger than it is maybe off these single family houses or duplexes. Yeah. <laughs> if you ever do any of the operation side of the of uh, managing a property, you'll kind of figure that out. Um, but let's say this, you if you do a duplex <clears throat> and you are managing yourself and maybe you even do the property management or maybe outsource the property management, if one door goes empty, that's great. You still have one of them paying some of the mortgage. So the idea and principle is there. Um, but essentially, you are calling a contractor to that roof uh, for the duplex. You are talking to the property manager for the duplex if you're if you're hiring them. Um, and then you're all the all the services and all the contractors and all the the uh, utilities is all going to that one property. And you're still having those calls all for those. Each one of those has has a lever, level of effort, right? Well, mm-hmm. if you have in a big apartment around 50 units um, or even 100 units, the bigger, the better. <clears throat> you're still making that one call, right, for that same property. It's still the same level of effort where you're going to call a contractor. But now the contractor is going to go and maybe service 15 units. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're still spending that same amount of time on the phone, though. So what we're saying is that bigger property is going to generate more cash flow and more cash, but your level of management goes down because you're not calling out to uh you know the tw- 10 different contractors for one little duplex whereas you could call 10 different contractors for a 50 unit and it's the same level of effort additionally too when you get into the 50 plus unit the 100 plus unit there's a funny thing that happens and that and that's that your partners get better um and typically it's because they have done smaller deals before just like you and they have scaled into larger deals so guess what they have more experience um, and so you don't get those expenses and those costs of people messing up. And trust me, when you have a duplex and someone comes, cleans it up or someone comes, uh, does the renovations, they mess up. Like they'll do the, our first duplex. Our, our contractor like did the flooring completely wrong and forgot to, you know, he wasn't a flooring uh, uh, specialist or something. And so the flooring was popping up after a couple of years and that's just because they were they were the cheapest thing we could find and they weren't meant to do that. And they weren't uh, a construction or what they call foundation specialist and didn't check the under, you know, the under the crawl space or something. 
But when you work with property managers that are doing 100 plus units, you're working with contract crews that are renovating 100 units. So they're renovating a unit every couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Those guys have really good systems. They have teams, they have support. And so you don't lose a lot of those costs, those expenses due to mess ups. And so the bigger units cost less, it's less management and you're working with more experienced people. It's just the way it is from operational side. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that sounds wonderful, obviously, right? (laughs) The units are generally the same. You've got a hundred of the same thing. You're like, come on guys, we just did 50 of these. They all look the same. Just keep pumping them out. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's a big component of it too, is you can, streamline your process because you're repeating it over and over and obviously they get better and better as they're doing it um, versus if you have a duplex that's 1500 square foot or a duplex that's 1800 square foot those are going to be different designs and and mm-hmm. you know attack plans and now you're, you're spending more effort trying to figure out what you're going to do per duplex yeah so gotcha okay so how about let's break down the first syndication deal so you said there was a five there was a 13 and at that point it was christopher your wife that was tugging on you and saying hey <laughs> you add another zero to that door count, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, often she was the one doing a lot of the finances and operations. And so that's where um, those people who are working in those areas will be like, hey, this isn't working out. I'm always on the phone for these little issues like this mm-hmm. is not passive or this is not, um, you know, what I thought it'd be. So we did do the 16 unit. It was our first syndication. It was around a $300,000 raise. It was a million dollar purchase. Um, I mean, imagine 16 units for a million dollars. Like, you know, there's deals out there. This was, this was, uh, that was end of 2019, 2020. Um, but really like the thing about that one was it was a screaming deal. We actually just sold that one. And, uh, the idea was, okay, let's get a really good property management team. And even at 16 unit, we found a killer team for that one. Um, but we were still doing the turns. We were still doing the renovation. So, it, it grew, like Ashton said, we started the syndication because we saw the benefits of, um, you know, private capital coming in, investing, investors investing with us in these bigger deals. And now we get more advantages because there's 16 units in one location. But then we scaled up from there because we said, well, man, if we're having such success from going from five units to 16 units, well, let's go from 16 to 84. <clears throat> it's the same principle. And and then let's partner with other syndicators as well that are maybe managing a piece of the asset management. So maybe they're managing the turns. Okay, man, that's even less that we have to do. But guess what? It was the same amount of capital or, you know, we raised capital. We did the same effort for it. But now we're doing less on the back end for operational side. So we started to see, and that's momentum, right? That's a mm-hmm. snowball building. You start to see the advantages um, of partnerships and, and what you can really do as you scale and grow and start to depend on the experts in each their own realm. It's very powerful. I like it. So can I pick into that first deal a little bit more? Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. 16 units, million dollar purchase. What market was this? It was uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina. Okay, North Carolina. Yeah. And was that a market that you were already in or is that a new market for you? I was we stationed there. 13 unit there. Um, so 13 unit we did with one private, uh, lender or or not private lender. We had one investor. Um, and then the 16 unit was about 10 plus investors. Okay. True syndication. Yeah. Okay. And so how hard was that? If that was, was that you've done private money before for something, but never true first syndication. How was that process? Like, was the capital raise hard? Actually, no, I don't think the capital raise was that difficult. 
Yeah, maybe I don't remember it. I don't know. I don't remember it being yeah. difficult. Yeah. I think the um, difficult part was was the, the yeah we spent like fifteen thousand dollars on a uh, yeah EPM and maybe and we like, <laughs> maybe we should clarify what a syndication is because I'm not sure that everybody understands that. So a syndication yeah, okay. is essentially you're you're forming an LLC. You're getting a bunch of uh, passive investors, people that have capital but no time or knowledge on how to invest in real estate, mm-hmm. and they're investing passively in your deals. So they are a, a passive investor. They're a part of private or a uh, silent partner, if you will. And they're getting a return every year. They're getting a K one at the end of the year with tax deductions from the property. And then of course, you know, they're sharing in the profit when you sell it and, but they don't have to do anything else. We like to call it mailbox money. Right. And ultimately the funny thing is, is like, Oh, everybody's always like, I want to get into syndication. I don't want to get into syndications, but at, like, do you really, or do you want just the passive income? I'm, Cause I tell you, if you're putting syndications together, it's not passive. Um, but the people that truly have it figured out are the ones that have figured out how to, to invest in these kind of deals and benefit mm-hmm. from real estate and do all that passively. But that's what a syndication is. So you have the active investors, the general partners, and you have the limited partners who are the passive investors. Um, so, yeah, so that's a syndication in a nutshell, but there's more detail that go into it and what type of syndication you can mm-hmm. qualify for and all that sort of thing. But um, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. Gotcha. And so um, for each of you doing that first deal as they're picking it apart, what would you say was the most difficult part or the biggest roadblock as you were implementing or you know, kind of doing your due diligence and setting up that first deal? COVID. <laughs> right, yeah, that, that's fair. We, we closed on our first syndication in January of 2020. And COVID hit March or April, May, I think. And um, no one knew what to do, right? Like this, mm-hmm. this was new to everybody. Um, luckily we were working with a property manager who had been in that market for over 30 years. I think, mm-hmm. um, he's a absolute rock star. His team's just a bunch of rock stars in, in there, um, in that market. And, um, he probably saved that whole operation. So, um, and, and it's because he's a hard worker. He understands, you know, no, doesn't mean no. It just means mm-hmm. I have to find another Avenue. And so, if you guys remember, there was a moratorium that came out and said, you can't mm-hmm. evict people for not paying. And God bless our tenants. You know, they're, they're going through their stuff that we're going through our stuff. Right. But everybody's looking at the five minute target, what's going on right in front of them. And they don't care about anything else. And obviously they were trying to stay healthy and, and make their ends meet, but, and they were saying they couldn't pay rent. And so we were like, well, how does, we can't evict them. Mm-hmm. So how do we pay our rent? Right. Cause we're paying a mortgage too. And actually he was able to find a way to do that. He was completing paperwork that, you know, for these tenants, he would take it to them. They would sign it. And now we would get, um, government funding to pay for their, wow. know, their and rent. Yeah. God, I mean, well, I'm, you know, happy for you guys that you guys were able to find such a solid property manager who was able to do all of that. Um, yeah. And then what about in terms, so you guys closed on that. That was like early 2020, January, 2020. How big was the value add or was there a value add component? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we, all our projects are value add and we do it for a reason. We build in that insulation. Um, so when you buy at a price, if you add value, typically you can sell a little higher. Mm-hmm. And you're just adding a little bit of insulation in case the market does shrink a little bit. At least you might break even or you're, you know, at worst case, right? So we always do value add. And I stress that, especially if you're newer, 
um, add value add because you typically are going to mess up what the property is going to be worth anyway in a couple of years. Um, it's very hard to predict what the market's going to be like in two years and where your property is going to sit. So it's always good to do value add. But um, yeah, I mean, we came in with really low renovations, even with all our experience, you know, like we hadn't done a lot of turns of apartments. And so to estimate your, your, what a unit would turn for, um, you know, we were around 90,000 in renovations on a property that was a million dollars. And, mm-hmm. you know, you could, there are so our short terms right now. Uh, we just spent 150,000 on a short term doing renovations. So totally different. It's a luxury property, but you know, we didn't know as much as we knew. We thought, okay, three to 5,000 typical unit turn. Right. Mm-hmm. And the properties weren't, the units weren't too bad, but, um, what happened though, really was we didn't get, even get to turn all the units. Um, by the time the market had shifted in 2021, it happened. 2021 was like this freak, uh, year for growth, both from rent growth and from, um, net, you know, uh, value growth for properties. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know that, but like, if you look at any property in 2021, it, it they jumped up like astronomically, right? Mm-hmm. There was 30% rent growth in Phoenix, Arizona and, and like Tampa and Orlando. I mean, that's unheard of like 14 double digits. We're, we're already hard enough at 30%. So what that did were values was people were selling like crazy. Uh, and we sold too. we sold ours, our 16 unit. Um, because the values are usually based on rent, right? Mm-hmm. And for commercial, right? That's what the lender's looking at. So if you go to the next seller or next buyer and you're like, hey, like we're renting at 30% plus of what we bought it for, just as an example, then you can sell it for something that justifies that kind of rent growth. So yeah, we had a really good time. And, and that's a really cool concept. And we didn't get into this. We didn't actually learn it until we did this first deal. The, mm. the so the value add play in a single family is to improve the property and make it worth, you're finding um, less valuable properties because because they need value add and you're trying to bring them up to market value. With an apartment complex, it's called forced appreciation. We're forcing or accelerating the appreciation of the property by increasing the net operating income. And by net operating income, I'm just talking about the cash flow, right? So income versus uh, minus expenses, and then you divide it by the cap right, essentially. And that's how you get the value. So if I buy a 100-unit property and I increase rents by, let's say, $100, I've increased or $100 per unit you know, for times 12 months. I've increased the value of that property over a couple million in just 12 months. right? So it's called forced appreciation for a reason. And that's why we like that value add piece. And that's where we really learned it was on this property. So we, like Chris said, we bought it for... I think it was 940, right? Or 960. 960. Sold it for 1.8, So doubled the value in under two Ooh. years. And this is not because of natural appreciation. This is because of value add. There yeah. was natural appreciation that played a part. Absolutely. But it was because we were able to raise rent. I think we raised rents $250 per unit. Yeah. That's crazy. So we but did, that's because, we hit our target, yeah. our target rents within the first six months. Yeah. So we hadn't even we have five even, year like, target rents. Five yeah, I think I think the rents were around 500 to 700, depending. Every tenant would have different lease mm-hmm. but because you take over existing leases. But our targets were like 800 uh, in year two. And within six months, we were at 800. And then we're like, well, what the heck? And then a year later, we were at 950. And we're like, 
well, we don't even need to do this because we've already proven the model. So if you sell at the idea of, hey, we have one lease at 950, the next buyer comes in, he's like, oh man, I can get all 15 at 950. He's all gung-ho, so he buys at 1.9. Mm-hmm. And that's how you do it. You leave meat on the bone for the next guy to come in and do his plan or whatever. You, prove the property. That's a, that's a lesson though. If you're going to do commercial, don't, it's not like uh, it's not like those shows where you go flip everything and, and then call the job done. It's actually better to flip half or under half the units and then come into the next buyer and go, hey, look what I did. The, all these units are really performing. They're $250 uh, higher rents. You could do the same. You could be just like me. And so they buy the property and then they go make a lot of money. But it leaves them room to be creative and grow and you know feel successful. Uh, that will probably maybe end up as a clip because that was just that was too perfect and that's <laughs> that was good that's what i've learned about commercials i started to do a lot more digging into this is that i don't have to worry about sally's house down the street selling for yes. x amount yes but now you have a lot more control in terms of the business model in terms of what you can do to the property to increase the value and so that's why i'm pretty excited and bullish about getting into the space um, I have one question here, and if anyone else who's watching live, if you have any questions for Ashton or Christopher, definitely put them in the comments. I will bring them up. Um, so we have one here. We'll do a, uh, maybe this question, and we'll save a couple more for the end. Um, but comments. Okay. So I have this one from David. So what's the pros and cons? Since you guys have done both, the pros and cons of participating in a syndication or private lending. Uh, maybe if you can talk to any benefits to some of your LPs and or your private lenders of kind of what the main difference if someone was looking to be an LP or a private lender. Um, yeah, so the pros, the pros are definitely mailbox money. It's passive income, right? And the cool thing about passive income is you can have unlimited streams of passive income, right? Whereas if you're, if you're doing something actively, you only have 24 hours in the day, you can only do so much, right, in one day to create capital or, or get a return on your time. Um, so if you have capital to invest, I think private lending, participating in a syndication is a great way to create passive income because you any- get all the benefits as being a partner. Um, but the cons are going to be, and it's not really a con. It's just, you, you have to know who you're working with, right? You're getting mm-hmm. in bed. Essentially you're partnering with these people uh, for the next five years, you know, for however long the deal is, is going to be. Um, so you, we, we look at it like this, cause this, this is what we do. We partner with other people, other professionals, people that bring something to the table that we lack. We partner with them in markets that we like on assets that we like. So we, we prove the team, right? We mm-hmm. want to see a track record. We want to see experience. We want to see, um, we want to, really uh resonate with these people both on values on we want to align with them like family values work ethic like all that right before we ever partner with them and then we want to align with them on what market they invest in and then of course what asset class and then if you really want to get down to it what strategy right because you could be apartment complex but they do brand new builds we don't like the brand new build because there's a lot of risk in it we like um the value add we like it to cash flow from day one meaning there's already tenants in place um so I think there's, and I think there's, there's, those are the big ones for me, the pros and cons. Um, Christopher, do you have any others cons? I mean, there's obviously risk here, right? There's risk with every investment, but I think education mitigates that risk, knowing who yeah. you're working with, knowing your asset class, knowing your market. 
that's a big part of it. It is the passive versus the active. A lot of people chase syndication, at least when they're there's, you know, want to do syndication for the passive income they're going to get. Um, but really the, the benefit is to the passive investors because they, if they're investing with the right team, they get to be completely hands off and they're getting income. Whereas if you're active, you're, you know, talking with investors, you're raising capital, managing the asset, uh, calling contractors, calling property managers, it is active work. So, there are there are benefits, I guess. It, you know, it depends. And I tell you to people too: Do you want to start a business? Do you want to own a business? Then think about running a syndication because it is a full time business. And essentially, when you do a syndication, you are also in charge of the steward of a lot of people's capital for five years. So you better not change your mind. Like you better not year two go. Yeah. You know what? I really want to be a barber now. Uh, syndication was cool because guess what? You're stuck in it. You still have to do it because you, you took all these people's capital and you're running a deal for the next five years. You can't just exit it. Um, so it's a long-term commitment and you got to know that if you're going to do it actively. Um, and if you're passively, you, you, same thing, you're in for five years, but at least you can, you know, go do your hobby or play some golf along the way. And it might, it might be worth mentioning that the structure of the syndication uh, itself is actually set up to benefit the passive investor a lot better, at least initially, because hmm. most most of these syndications are set up where there's a preferred return, right? And usually that preferred return is starts from day one, whereas so that's the cash flow, right? It's cash flowing from day one. Um, per, so people invest and they get that preferred return, and it's a essentially the goal is to get it really high, right? You want a preferred return of usually around six to 8%, then you usually see around 15 to 20% internal rate of return, which is basically the rate of return that you'll see over a five-year hold, combining all the different returns from cash flow to, to taxes, to sale price, all that stuff, right? But for the general partner, the person putting the deal together, you're actually seeing a lower cash flow for them in the beginning. So you're gonna put all this work in as a general partner and you're not gonna get much cash flow. And this is a great pivot for us in this conversation, because that's why we started getting into short-term rentals because the cash flow is so good and we get to use them. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas a syndication, we don't get to use it. It's a ton of work. <laughs> Can't go <laughs> stay at the apartment. <laughs> and there's very little cash flow from day one for the general partner. Now the payoff at the end is great and the tax benefits are enormous. So you can see where I'm going with this. Yeah. We're looking for cash flow from STR short-term rentals. And we're looking from, for, on ways to mitigate our taxable income, to decrease our taxable income to zero. Yes, I said it. We don't pay taxes because a lot of the depreciation on these large assets writes is it allows us to write off all that um, income from other sources. So anyway, all that to say, yes, there's a lot of different ways. I oftentimes say this, being a passive investor is actually a lot better than being a active investor. I like it. And I'd, maybe the one thing I would add to that too, just on the differences, and it seems like just on a generalized sense, right? There are so many different areas of syndications and even private money, which basically means private money, you can do whatever the heck you want with your money and people structure it whatever way. But I feel like in the most general sense for a syndication, if you're participating in a syndication, most times you have part ownership of that deal. So you have an yes. equity stake. On the private money side, it seems like most times you're having a debt uh, a debt stake in it. And so I guess it really depends on where you want to be in that mix. Yes. Um, yeah. But I like and it. On the debt okay. side, you can get out easier, typically. Um, you know, your term might be 12 months. 
most we used to do uh, some debt side to our deals and we would give a 10% term for 12 months and you can renew after 12 months. Uh, otherwise, we just backfill the money with a new private lender. But it's very nice because you, you're not locked into a five year equity hold position. But you don't get the tax benefits, but it's more liquid, essentially. Right. Yeah. 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 A lot of so. pros and cons. Eventually, you know, just have enough money so you can be in both and you can figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's what I tell it. Just go make more money. What are you talking about? Then you don't have to worry about it. So you could do both. <laughs> um, okay. Well, Ashton's taking my job as the host, trying to switch topics on me there. Uh, <laughs> moving into short-term rentals. So one 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 thing that I really liked and I invited both of you onto the show is because not only is it the commercial multi that you are very actively in, but you are also actively in the short-term rental space. You kind of alluded to earlier you moved into it. Was it because of cash flow, or really, what was the pivot into short-term rentals? Yeah, it was definitely cash flow syndication for the GP. Um, you typically get paid an acquisition fee, or there's a couple fees that you can generate off the syndication deals. And we were getting acquisition fees, but to be honest, it wasn't justifying a five-year commitment to a deal, right? So let's say you get a fifty-thousand-dollar acquisition fee for bringing something to the syndication. Well, that 50,000 is divided by five years now. So 10,000 a year, is that really something that you can build a business on? Or, you know, maybe, maybe it depends how many people are in the business, depends how big you your fees are. You have to continually do deals then. <clears throat> exactly. So yeah. we, we looked at vacation rentals to generate cash flow in the interim until the syndication sell, just to allow us to grow. And, you know, now we've scaled to about 10 people. It's, definitely helps having that run rate, they call it, where you you can hire people because you know your income's coming in. That's from cash flow. Um, so it can help a business. So that's why we entered into vacation rentals. They are one of the highest cash flowing um, uh, real estate assets out there. And, you know, very much like a hospitality or hotel industry, when you can rent a, an asset by the night, you could do a lot more than if you rent it for a 12 month lease. So, um, and everybody's seeing this right now. That's why it's a hot topic. But um, yeah, so we entered into our first vacation rental in uh, the Disney World area uh, in Orlando, Florida, Kissimmee, Florida. And uh, that was in 2021. Okay. And so now, so you guys, the great market, by the way. And obviously, uh, each of you, I, I think I saw you guys also have your own families, right? Yes. Yes. Um, so obviously, if you can use it as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've done that already. So we have uh, three vacation rentals in Sedona, Arizona as well. And we held our first uh, company retreat. Uh, there was, I don't know how many kids was there. There was like nine kids yeah, and was, like quite a few. five different families, um, you know, and then other employees came as well. Uh, it was just a big retreat. We could sleep 16 at the one we had in Sedona. So wow. just really cool to add that into the business. You can have a retreat, you can have a tax write-off, you know. A lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, I think there's so many different possibilities and it's way easier and more, you know, for my wife, I'm sure she, she doesn't want to stay at any of our long-term rentals in Columbus, but uh, <laughs> I get it. in the short-term rentals for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so you guys are also, are you guys raising or doing partnerships for the short-term rentals or how are you structuring that and how, and what does that look like? Yes. Yeah. We, so this is cool. So we bring in private investors, they're partners on the deal. They own equity in the property um, and they actually get to use the property itself. They get five days free each year. They have to pay cleaning fees, of course, but 
they get to pay, they get to stay at the property five days each year. Um, so they're making a return. They get to use it. So it's kind of, and, and honestly, it's funny because the returns are very competitive with our syndications. They're in some time, some cases even better. So most syndications, you'll see like that 15 to 20% per year return. Um, with the Airbnbs, we're looking at now 15 to 25%, right? So, and maybe even higher depending on what the market is doing and, and how you, you know, leverage all that. But um, yeah, so they, they do really well. Um, but yeah, we usually have, and Christopher can talk to this a little bit more because he sets up a lot of the structure on these. Hmm. Um, we usually have what, five, maybe six uh, private investors private mm -hmm. partner, passive partners on this. And um, then there's then our company, of course, and we manage everything. Yeah, so I wouldn't necessarily call them passive. They are partners. Um, and I say that for a reason. They, they, you, you really want to watch out when you're getting partners up to the 10, 12, 13. 14. Now you're starting to, is it really a partnership or is it more of a, are you selling securities? So mm -hmm. the SEC might, if they're listening, question that kind of uh, decision. So we're really careful on, uh, we do annual meetings, we do monthly meetings to keep these partners engaged and also for record um, mm -hmm. so that we are ensure these are equity partnerships into vacation rentals. But the, the idea is the same. A syndication, like it gets often termed as just being commercial uh, and multifamily, but the term syndication really just means partnership. It's, it's coming together to do something you can't do alone. And there's a lot of our partners that, you know, they perhaps don't know how to run a vacation rental or they only have 100K um, and they want a nice beach property that's worth a million dollars. Well, it's really hard to buy one with just 100K. And then also maybe they don't have the, the, the credit or they don't want their loan. They don't want the, the loan on their, on their, you know, credit, that kind of thing. We do all the loan. We do all the lending. And so it's an advantage for those partners to come in with that kind of 100K and and then they can also do, well, I have a beach property in North Carolina and I have one in Disney World and I'm an owner on one in Sedona. So now I'm I can go to three different places for 300K versus if I took that same 300K and bought one nice luxury vacation rental. Now I'm locked into that if I did it by myself. So the advantage to partnering on these is really cool for a lot of uh, the people. I mean, to be honest, these sell out faster than our um, our our multifamily. Like, uh, I don't know, we must have raised $2 million this year alone for vacation rentals, and they wow. sell out within two weeks of opening. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, I mean, especially if you're going to throw in a perk like your family can use it for five days out of the year. I mean. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. very attractive. But they get, everybody gets K-1s too. I mean, you can do a cost seg, which is a mm -hmm. study that lets you get tax benefits um, from depreciation. And, uh, you know, if you can get that on a million-dollar property, uh, vacation rental, get some tax benefits to stay and you can, you know, enjoy the property. Uh, it's a win. Yeah. I mean, obviously vacation rentals, short-term rentals, a new kid on the block. Uh, yeah. I'd say maybe next topic. to that is probably midterm rentals. I, 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 I thought yeah. last year, that's kind of what everyone wants to pivot to, but. Built to get... rent is getting popular right now. Mm. So that's the idea of, yeah, you're building properties just to rent them. Mm -hmm. um, instead of sell them and, and there's crazy government um, kickbacks for doing that. So um, yeah. it's, it might be the new thing for commercial anyway. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I have some last selfish questions. And again, if you guys are watching this live and you have any questions and you want to ask them, put them in the comments because I can ask them. I see 10 of you on right now. So you can just say hi. 
Um, <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> I like it. Um, okay, so talking about raising money, and just as I'm wrapping my head again, this is all just selfish at this point. Uh, as I think about a, a first big commercial deal that I want to do, I mean, where where are you finding your LPs at? Yeah, that's a that's an awesome question. We get asked that a lot. Initially, it started with friends and family, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said at the beginning, we were very intentional about what we were doing. And we realized if we wanted to become, if we wanted to continue in that path, going bigger and bigger, bringing in passive investors, a way to do it. So we went through this multiple times. How do we bring in passive investors? We read the books, we listened to the podcast, and it ultimately comes down to people need to know, they need to like, and they need to trust you, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you do that? Brand awareness is probably one of the big ones. Um, networking, um, proven processes, um, you know, a, a track record, obviously, obviously. So we started with friends and family that branched out. We built a brand. We built a website. Christopher built an awesome website. We, if you're new and you're looking to do this, we're going to drop a couple books that were pivotal for us. Uh, building a story brand by Donald Miller was absolutely pivotal. It's just about building a brand about what you're selling or what you, who you are. And helping other people align with that, right? So your your target market, right? So people align with us, other family people that are family oriented, veterans tend to align with us, um, working class people that um, want to create that freedom in their life. Um, you know, th- those kind of people align with what we're doing, what we're we're focused on. Additionally, we're heavy into the nonprofit space too. So we a portion of every deal we do goes to. Um, our giving fund and it goes and at the end of the year we give that out to several different nonprofits of our choice right and we have a couple that are dear to our heart and people align with that right because mm-hmm. we're, we're making an impact but we're also making you know a profit and so but essentially that's what it comes down to people have to know like and trust you and to know you they have to have they have to have your brand now I will say, it is more easier today than it has ever been in the history of man to, to build your own brand. I mean, look at your brand. You have a brand. And people kind of miss this. I miss this for the first, what, 38 years of my life is whatever I say on social media, that's my brand. If I'm talking about my cat, if I'm talking about how bad the president is, that's my brand, right? But now mm-hmm. all of a sudden I'm talking about cash flow. I'm talking about returns. I'm talking about protecting my capital from taxes. I'm talking about, you know, that becomes my brand. And so people reach out to you, they come to you. So you're building a brand where people come to you. Hey, what should I do with $50,000? Hey, how do I get my first rental? Hey, how do I, where should I put this? I had a guy come to me. He was in, he was working for zoom and he's like, I have, I just made $3 million selling my stock from zoom. What do I do with it? I (laughs) can't help you. If if the money's in your (laughs) account, I can't help you. But Anyway, but that's the thing, like you're, you're, you're helping other people right now. You're, so you're out there educating people through your brand, through social media. So you don't have to go build a website. You can actually mm-hmm. just get very active on social media. And we've, we've really doubled down on that piece. Um, Christopher has been really good with the uh, SEO for our, our business. He does a lot of the blog writing, of course, and then our website. So we're, we're ranked really well on, on Google. Um, there's a lot of things that go into it, but essentially like that's what you're doing. You want to build that, that, that trust. You want to build a brand that people trust uh, yeah. because if you're out there cold calling people, I'm going to tell you that's tough. Just call, calling people like, Hey, I got this deal. You want, I, we need $50,000, um, you know, from a hundred different people. Like that can be really tough. And, um, you know, people, 
I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't have that kind of, you know, that's not a comfort thing for me. Like, I'm not like, I don't like doing that cold, cold calling people and asking them for money. And I'm sure people don't like receiving those calls either. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, um, uh, yeah. if you can have a chance and I say this all the time about social media, like if you even look at your Instagram analytics, I'm sure if you did that, Ashner Christopher, and you looked at what the average watch time is of someone watching your TikTok, like you end up having years on there. That means mm -hmm. people are watching you for yeah. years at a time yeah. on a random 40 second video you made. Like that's just ridiculous when you compound yeah. it. Yeah, you know? um, absolutely. Yeah. And what are you guys' quick takes on Instagram versus TikTok? Uh, a lot of people don't want to use TikTok, but I actually found you guys on TikTok. Yeah, I think there's a different crowd. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, yeah, no, it's it is interesting, and I'm still learning. Like, I, I will say, like, you know, I'm I was what 40 years old before I started actually doubling down on that social media piece, and um, so I'm still learning it. There's definitely an algorithm, and a lot of it has to do with consistency and quality of content, right? Um, but it is a game changer. It is like the 10x multiplier for building your brand, certainly, and um. TikTok is a bit different because I think it's a different crowd. I think they're a younger crowd. I think it's um, more ad hoc. People are posting all sorts of different stuff on there, right? So you do have to you do have to double down on your niche and be consistent. Um, I think Instagram has gotten maybe a little bit more professional about it, about their reels. Obviously, they're competing with TikTok. Um, but there's a great book out there. I, th I cannot remember the complete name. It's like how to get to a million followers in 30 days or something like that. And he talks about all of those and he can talk about it a little bit better than I can. But it's it is interesting because, you know, you can pay to get promoted on other people's stuff. And that increases the algorithm for you that increases followers that or you can just do like four different videos a day. And, you know, it, it, it's time consuming. Right. So. You have to be dedicated. You have to know your niche. You know, have to know your avatar or the person you're, you're targeting. And um, you have to, I think providing free content is a great way to increase trust, increase um, your, your brand awareness, obviously. And, and that is what it's all about. Now, people that are on there doing their, you know, the dances and stuff and, you know, <laughs> becoming TikTok famous and making money off of that and stuff like hats off to them. I mean, you see all these guys, they're, they're making, you know, eight figures a year because they've done some stuff on there and it's a, yeah. it's a whole new economy. <laughs> what I would say too is, you know, I do more LinkedIn. I'm on bigger pockets and I write the blog. I like writing. I'm a writer. I don't do as much video and I should do more video, but track it. Right. So whether you're using any analytic, like Google analytics, whether you're using uh, Instagram, whatever they use, I don't even know, but make whatever your end result is create that funnel. Right. So if you want investor over here, in your list okay well instagram's over here how do i know that instagram's going to my list and how do they get there how do they find the list how do i get them on the list so we we have zapier a tool that tracks where people are coming from and then it alerts us in slack bing bing it says this guy came from instagram they signed up for your club and you're like oh cool not only is it super motivating but we know hey ashton put out this content on instagram and it directly translated to an investor that came in they weren't just a person that liked and thumbed up. It was someone who came directly to the end of our funnel. So that I think is really how you want to track which platform you like the most. Is it achieving what you want it to achieve? And if it's simply for you to gain followership, that's okay. That could be a goal. 
but um, and that probably is easier to track. But how do you get it to where you want it to be? Where you know, if you're building a syndication business, for example, uh, that end user, that end investor, is what you're really looking for. That's that a great is, point. Yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, I, one maybe we'll have a follow up call because I am very interested in integrating Zapier into my workflow. So I'm curious to see what the back end, how you guys use it someday. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. But no, I mean, it's, I think one that's really good is that Ashton's obviously all over TikTok and on Instagram and Christopher, you being on LinkedIn, which is another powerhouse platform that most people are sleeping on. Yes. Um, I'm not like, even as good as I should be on there. I have about 2,700 followers, but it's like, you know, but here, here's the, here's the thing that I think is interesting. I read this in a sales book. It was, uh, it takes about uh, on average around 16 touches if you will contacts and that's them seeing your sign seeing your video your face what you do like seeing that 16 times before they buy your product invest in your deal whatever that is visit your restaurant whatever it is um so on average it takes that so social media is a great avenue to get those touches to create those contacts to you know spread that so um but yeah, you do have to be able to track it. Otherwise, how do you adjust? How do you shift fire? You know, how do you how do you focus? So Christopher has been amazing with that. He comes from that IT background. So I think if you wanted to do a whole podcast on how to automate, how to track, how to, you know, know if stuff is working and what systems are the best. I think he's written several blogs on on this topic alone. Um, he'd be a great resource. <laughs> yeah. well, but it is cool. One of our things that shows where they came from. And like I said, when you see, OK, we had. Like I'm just looking right now, we had 13 people sign up in the last 30 days. Okay, that's cool. Well, then maybe we have three from Instagram, five from the internet, and and the rest say other or something like that or meetup. Okay, well, it's showing us that relationships and in-person things are actually even more powerful for what we're trying to do. Maybe Instagram is getting us partway there, though. So really cool to track it like that. And it doesn't happen overnight and building all these systems on the back end, right? Like don't be in a rush to go get them all done because you'll like – tear your hair out and, not and they cost hair. money and they cost money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, no, I mean, that's great. I'm glad that you guys are able to track all that. I think as people are thinking about expectations of social media and you're just starting, what if you just found one partner? Like, would that be worth it to do find one other person that you align with? And that's because you posted. And then as yes. you grow and get better, then what if you're building an investor list, but starting at just the single could I find someone else who had the same goal as me? Makes it really, really easy. Yeah. Um, 100%. Absolutely. I have one last question for you guys as we close out. And this one's just to get to know you guys a little bit more. <laughs> so uh, it's the last call round, and I'll only do one question of the last call, is what was the most memorable drink that you've had? Who was it with, and what made it so memorable? Uh Christopher, what do you think of the uh, rum pineapple drink we made in Hawaii on the very first family business retreat? That was awesome. Yeah. Fresh, fresh pineapple. With like, it was like a hundred bottle, hundred dollar bottle of rum, I think it was. <laughs> and uh, we, we were like, half of us were all sunburnt and um, our wives were there. Our kids were, you know, inside either watching a movie or whatever, but we were toasting the business. And um, what were yeah. you celebrating? What was the, was that like a first deal close? Was it a big deal close? What was it? It was the first family retreat. I mean, Chris's family, Christopher's family is completely involved in this. My family's completely involved. He's retired from his IT job. Both our wives are retired. I still do some contracting for the business, but I'm, I'm retired essentially. Mm -hmm. um, 
that's well, what we're doing. We're working full time in our right, right. <laughs> but but yeah, you know, we retired from the W two. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah um, like you know, I think right now we're filming a, a vacation rental course. We're doing like fun stuff now, right? It, it's not. Uh, gosh, I remember a lot of the stuff I used to do as an IT tech, waking up in the middle of the night. So, what he meant by the family retreat, though, is like we had on our li- our goal sheet to have a family retreat it was you know we wanted to do two of these at least a year where we get together because we did live in different states and so this was one of the first times where we got everybody together and you know i got up i had a three-year-old or he's four now but the kids are all together and it was just like such a sweet thing that it all comes you know at some point your goals (laughs) all realize and you're like man we're actually moving forward you know Sometimes when your head's down, you don't realize that you're actually making progress till you look up. But I mean, that comes back to, you know, kind of what I said at the beginning, we've been very intentional. We follow the, the traction model, but something they do in traction for businesses is you map out the next five to 10 years. Where do you want to be? And then you backtrack from there till you're getting these 90 day goals. So what do I want to do in the next 90 days, right? To meet my one year goal, to meet my three year, five year. So um, that's been very important for us. We're huge on the clarity and the focus, the commitment, you know, and, and taking action every day. And, um, you know, if you can get a group of people together and get clear about what you want and align that, man, it, you can move mountains. No, that's, I mean, you guys are clearly are crushing it, having a lot of fun along the way. Actually, I have one follow-up question. And I feel like all of these are selfish questions. So I'll stop saying that now after this. Uh, <laughs> it's your show, man. Did, <laughs> how did you get family involved? Like, what was that? that was, like? Yeah, that was tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't quite know. Like, at some point, you know, when we first brought it up, I think Ashton's wife was like, no. Oh, heck yeah. No, she I'm was not. like, nope, never, never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She didn't even want to do any of the real estate stuff. She's like, Mm-mm, nope, no, I'm not yep. doing property management or any of that, you know? And then my wife, like she had, a, she was an HR director for the Hyatt. She was super successful. We were making good money. I was making a, a six-figure salary. I was doing very well. It was like a lot of comfort. And I think, you know, it, you start to see what the possibilities could be like. And um, you start to see that you appreciate the family time more than just uh, you commuting to work 30 minutes each way and then spending 10 hours there. My wife used to spend 10, 12 hours at a, at the hotel and then come home and she's got little kids and stuff like that. And it just wasn't panning out. And so they hopped on board when they, they started to see the freedom it gave the time freedom. Yeah. And then, you know, it's been so cool developing it. We meet once a week at uh, twice a week and more than that, but like two mandatory meetings for the family. One is for the company mm-hmm. and one is for a leadership type meeting. And we have grown together just so much more because of that. Like you think about how many times you talk to your brother or your your mother or your sister, whatever it is. You know, you may call them once every month or or a couple once every week if you're a very good family. Um, but I wasn't like that. It, and really, now we're talking every week and we're doing like fun stuff, not just business. And so you have these ups, you have these downs. Like I'll get super frustrated with Ashton. Um, cause he's a different personality a lot of times and we'll like, ah, and then we'll like hang up. But then the next week we're back on and we're talking again and we're laughing about and sharing family stories. And, uh, it, it grew on us, I guess. <laughs> it's hard. I hear a lot of people say, I can't get my wife involved or I can't get my, 
my significant other involved in, in my investing journey. And um, it's just like forming a partnership or finding an investor. Talk enough about what you're doing and like how fun it is and like what you're getting out of it. And I promise you, they'll start to get involved. Yeah. I mean, that's because of obviously done it very, very well. I'm glad that they're involved now, regardless of whatever ups and downs and roller coasters I'm sure you guys have all went through that we've all been through in that same journey process. I mean, it's makes a lot more fun, especially now if you're having family retreats around it. Um, Absolutely. Well, let's wrap things up. Is there, is there something that you're looking for? How can someone maybe add value to you? Oh man. Um, We love working with other people. We love partnering with other people that are aligned with us. Um, We love giving back. And I think, you know, I don't know, actually, you know what? So we're coming up on um, four years in this. And one of the goals we had discussed, and I'm going to throw this out there because I like to throw things out there and let the universe bring it back. Yeah, bring it. Um, One of my biggest goals would be to set up a portfolio of short-term rentals and as a nonprofit for veterans um, to take them and their families for a retreat. And I've been looking at Costa Rica for a while. We've looked at um, Mexico even. So I don't know if somebody has experience setting up that I'd be interested in talking to them um, because how to make that a profitable venture venture, but also able to be incorporated as a nonprofit uh, would be really cool to set up. So um, yeah, that would be awesome. Sweet. Chris, uh, you know, I'm not going to speak and assume that you have the same passion as him, but I mean, is there uh, <laughs> anything else you're looking for, Christopher? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you know, we're always looking to partner, like you said, whether it's if you're looking to invest passively or you're looking to learn or you're looking to join us actively in a deal, you have a deal, um, you can check out our website. You can see if you align with kind of who we are, you know, from what we're talking here and reach out. I mean, we have found so many different opportunities from people just reaching out. Uh, that 92 unit we did, uh, it was a guy who reached out on LinkedIn we formed a really great partnership and it's been awesome doing a deal with them. So always reach out if you uh, think you can, you know, you have something to give and, and you have, you, you have an idea or you want to partner or, you know, we're always happy to partner on those th- kind of things. So, and then we're, we're always hiring for positions. So like, I can't tell you what we have open right now because it probably changes all the time. But um, if you are crushing it in the space and you feel like you can be a good asset to the team and um, you know, reach out, see if we can do something together. I like it. I mean, one, again, congratulations, by the way, for those who are just tuning in and didn't uh, maybe hear the very beginning, but they just closed on another short-term rental yesterday. Uh, where was that one again? It was in North Carolina? Surf City, North Carolina. Yeah, gorgeous. It's 200 feet from the beach. It's amazing. So if you are interested in getting into some vacation rentals, but you want to do that as a group, clearly they're doing something great over there. So you can check them out. It's valkyriegroup.com. Awesome. Um, and again, if you're just tuning in live, they broke down the whole story of how they went from 50K to $100 million under management. And so it's just, it's been a blast. Some different nuances they shared, uh, you know, the ups and downs of, of engaging your family with it. But again, congratulations um and so for those who are watching of course if you enjoy this episode make sure to like it subscribe if you have any additional comments or comments or questions you can still leave them in the comments down below and i'll try and pass them along to ashton and christopher after this but uh to my valkyrie
partners. Thank you so much for jumping on the on the call with me. Awesome. Thank you. Good to be Thank here. Thank you for having us, Joshua. And if you guys want to stay back for a second, I can do some last minute things with you. But for everybody else, I will catch you all on the next one. Bye, everybody.